In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. This is the fourth Sunday of Toba, and today's Gospel reading relates to the man who was born blind that our Lord Jesus Christ healed and made him able to see for the first time in his life. This is the same reading that we read in the sixth Sunday of Lent also. It's a beautiful lesson of faith and preaching the good news to others. <clears throat> and it was such a strange and wonderful miracle, an amazing miracle that uh, many struggled at the time with what they just saw with their very own eyes. It's something that they haven't seen before. Included within today's uh, gospel reading were 14 questions. They, everybody was questioning each other. Everybody was asking what's going on and they kept asking. And just in today's reading, there were 14 different questions. First, before even the miracle, his sad condition caused the disciples to ask, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? It was a question, of course, on God's justice. The apostles are asking as if confused on the suffering of the man. Why was this man suffering? And the only two things that came to their mind was either that he sinned or his parents sinned, which of course both of them don't really make sense because he was born that way, so it's not his sin. And of course we are not punished for the sins of our parents. Though we may suffer the consequences of our, the sins of our parents, we are not punished by God because of, our, because of the sins of our parents. So the Lord answered saying, Neither this man nor his parents sin, but that the works of God should, re should be revealed in him. Then, after the miracle, the bystanders and the neighbors began to ask questions. And they questioned themselves. Is this not he who sat and begged? Some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. So there was lots of confusions and lots of questions. So again, they asked more questions. They, they brought in the man himself, who was born blind, and asked him, How are your eyes open? Where is he who opened your eyes? The Pharisees also questioned um, what just happened and wrestled with the wonder that they just saw. And it says that we read today, Therefore some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. He did this miracle, of course, on the Sabbath. He made the clay on the Sabbath day. Others said, How can this man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. Then they said to the blind man again, What do you say about him who opened your eyes? And he said, He is a prophet. But they didn't believe concerning him, obviously. So they were still confused. So they brought in, they started like an investigation. So they brought in the, uh, the parents. Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? The Pharisees and their evil, and they actually try to humiliate or intimidate the parents into saying that he wasn't blind before. They didn't say he who was blind, but who you say he was blind, almost accusing them of lying. His parents acknowledged the change that he was first blind and now he's not blind anymore, but couldn't bring themselves to confess that it was Christ who did it because they were intimidated by the Pharisees who threatened to excommunicate them should anyone confess Christ. So they said, he is of age, ask him. They were afraid and their fear cost them a great opportunity to witness of the to the Lord. Their cowardliness um, made them lose this great opportunity. Then they brought back that the Pharisees brought back the man who was born blind and interrogated him again with again more questions. They couldn't any longer deny the miracle that took place uh, because the people and the parents all witnessed to the miracle that he was blind and now can see. At this point in the story they actually had a level of faith because they believed in the miracle they just didn't accept Christ. So they said Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner simply because he made the clay to anoint his eyes 
on the Sabbath day. And so they ask questions. What did he do to you? How did he open his how, how did he open your eyes? And the man knew scriptures. He must have listened to the readings on a regular basis as he went into the temple because he said truthfully, since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. And whether he knew it or not, he was actually reminding the Pharisees of the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 5, which says, <clears throat> Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. Of course, all of these were fulfilled only with Christ. And the man himself also started asking questions to the Pharisees, being kind of wondering why these Pharisees keep asking him these questions. And he asked them a question this time. Do you also want to be his disciples? So the Pharisees respond with questions. You were, bornly, you were completely born in sins and you are teaching us? And then they cast him out of the, question, uh, out of the synagogue. Of course, the answer to their question is yes, he was completely born in sins, and he was indeed teaching them. This poor man who was born blind, he, was, he had to endure a lot of pain. First, he was born blind from his birth. Can you imagine living being born blind? Um, uh, he probably didn't even know how to use his eyes when, when, when Christ healed him. He probably didn't know what he was seeing. It was all foreign to him. Um, and because he was born blind, he probably couldn't work, so he had to beg. He was living in poverty, and he had to be a beggar. And either his parents abandoned him, and therefore he had to beg and live, or his parents were also very poor, or maybe elderly, that he was begging on their behalf as well. In other words, though, his parents abandoned him, either during the, his blindness, or abandoned him after receiving his sight because he, they were afraid of the Pharisees, and saying, he is of age, ask him or abandon him maybe in both scenarios, so that he had to beg, and when he was healed, they abandoned him again, possibly. So he had to endure such a betrayal by his parents because they were afraid of the Pharisees, and maybe even ashamed of his blindness. He was also interrogated by the people, and also by the Pharisees twice, who were very, like, had very impure intentions. They were very murderous and evil, and they were um, they were looking to actually hurt him because this man, um, you know, glorified Christ. They saw him as a worthless pawn to achieve their evil ambitions. And he was eventually kicked out of the community by the Pharisees. And with all this, he gave a very powerful witness to the Pharisees. You know, such characters in the Bible who endure such pain and yet still glorify God, they convict us. They convict us at times, especially when we oftentimes complain about trivial or very small matters. We stand convicted by the witness of the blind man who did so much despite his situation and what he went through. He, I mean, we can think about how he didn't show any kind of bitterness towards God being born blind, who allowed him you know, to go through these things. So that when he finally was visited by God in an amazing way, he was utterly satisfied and didn't question God's will whatsoever. He gave a powerful witness to the crowd saying that it was he who was born blind and now sees. And to the Pharisees he was even bold even when his parents were afraid of them and said, I told you already, do you also want to be his disciples? 
He was a beggar speaking boldly towards scribes and Pharisees, towards the leaders. Poverty did not stop him. His blindness that he lived through his whole life did not stop him. His abandonment of his parents did not stop him. But because he embraced the truth, it made him strong and it made him glorious, just like embracing lies makes us weak and shameful. Our Lord, hearing that he was kicked out, asked him the final questions, right? And he responded with the final question. The Lord asked the only question that really mattered. Of all the questions in this reading today, 14 of them, the only one that really mattered is what Christ asked. Do you believe in the Son of God? Do you believe? And the beggar responded, saying, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe in him? The Lord sought faith. He sought faith, or at least a desire to have faith, and he found it in this blind beggar. So I'm going to prick your conscience a little bit, but I'm also listening to these words myself too, okay? How do we measure in comparison with this man who was a beggar and facing such hatred and such aggressive opposition, yet used his boldness in his speech and desire to find the Lord? Or how do we compare to others in scripture or church history that in the face of odds that may cause others to despair and fear, but with them and with God's help, they overcame and were victorious? Think of the epic stories that we read about many times throughout our lives, the stories of Noah and Moses and Daniel and David and the three youth and Nehemiah and Judah Maccabee. All of them had odds that were not human to overcome. The twelve disciples, the apostles, and St. Paul, who converted the whole world, not just one country, but the whole world. And St. Athanasius, who stood as if alone sometimes, and they asked him, the whole world's against you, and he would respond, and I against the world, because I have God with me. Others too, St. Marina the ascetic, or St. Mary of Egypt, St. Cyril, or think about maybe St. Benjamin, in the seventh century who endured the Chalcedonian persecution, the Persians, and the Arab conquest all during his papacy. And so many others that you're probably thinking of as well. How do we compare when we complain about minor things, trivial things, yet these people who trusted in God overcame much? It's a difficult question, but each one of us has to think about it on our own. Because how much more should we who have lived in the church and, and have seen through faith the, the things in our, our beautiful church, right? Um, who, have had, who have seen like 10,000 marvels performed by faith, especially in our, in our Orth, Coptic Orthodox Church. We've um, not seen, you know, haven't we seen God's wonders and either directly or through the records that have come down to us, the healings, the apparitions, the raising of the dead, the courageous acts of the fathers, the mothers, the martyrs, and many wonders that our Lord allowed us to see, that he performed throughout the centuries. I mean, we can go back home and read just the Senex Serum that was read today about the 49 martyrs of Shahid, the martyrdom of St. Bagush, and the story of St. Anastasia in the 6th century. Emperors and barbarians, nothing could stop these people because they had God with them. We can read more about the life-changing writings of the fathers. You know, when you read them, your life will be changed. So I hope you, you all read more of their lives and their writings. And let's not forget, of course, the deeds of our own 
life, the, the, the deeds that our Lord performed in our own lives. It would be a really healthy exercise if you wrote, wrote in bullet points even, not as a, a narrative, but in bullet points, just write down the history of your own life and remember the great successes and the great tragedies and the great um, uh, challenges and calamities that you might have overcome in your life and how God stood with you throughout these things. And remember, and it's a good, good exercise. So after we've seen so much, should we not show even a small portion of the boldness and courage that this blind beggar had in today's story? We've received greater benefits than he did. We've received better enlightenment than just the opening of eyes. We've seen the, um, and experienced the indescribable and even unthinkable mysteries, which he never did. We've been called to such an honor and majesty that he didn't experience. He only experienced turmoil and rejection by his community, by his leaders, and even by his parents. When someone speaks evil of the Lord Jesus Christ, which in society many do, do their insults fall on us? And are we even slightly motivated to respond, or do we give up without even an effort? Someone may say, but I don't know much, so I can't really respond, as the blind beggar did. Should this fact that we don't know much paralyze us? Or should it motivate us to action? Because it's true, some of us don't know the books of the Bible. Some of us don't know much at all. Or in the, or in the sections of the liturgy. If I were to ask, for example, is the book of Hebrews or Jude, uh, which, which testament are they in? How would you answer? I was speaking in front of a college group. And uh, I want to say most of them said that the book of Jude was in the Old Testament. How would you guys answer is that right or wrong? Well, I'm not going to quiz you right now. But think about it, right? I mean, we need to know that these books are... They were in the New Testament, by the way. <laughs> so we should know that answer. Um, do we know the names of the books of the New Testament? Do we know the books of Obadiah and Amos? Those books that we studied in Bible study. But we, have, we give great, great care, though. However, to memorize and to study things of entertainment of the world or the complexities related to our colleges or professions or even hobbies. We, we understand every intricacy related to these things. But do we give the same attention to the things that give us greater benefit, even eternal benefits? So we're not able to reply like the blind beggar. But even if that's the case, let it you know spur you to action rather than paralyze you. And there are opportunities to, low, to, to know more and to grow in spiritual matters, um, but we oftentimes throw these opportunities away with our excuses. Sorry, I can't make it today. My children are in club sports. Sorry, I, I can't because it's raining or it's too hot or it's too far or I didn't sleep well or I had a tough week. We all, we've all used these excuses, of course. Yet we don't use the same standards or excuses when other things, uh, other responsibilities in our life. We still go to school, we still go to work, we have to go to the bank, we have to go shop. Uh, come rain, sleet or snow, we will do those things. But when it comes to the spiritual things, there's lots of excuses ahead of us. We swallow a camel with other things in our life, but when it comes to the things that are spiritually necessary and benefit us the most, we squint at a nap. I don't mean to sting you or to cause too much guilt. And I know that you may not like what I'm saying. And you might, you know, complain after we're all done here. But 
Um, it's, it is out of love and it's not to make you feel bad or to spur, but it's really to spur us all to action because I too am listening to this for my own benefit. So let's be strong and have a portion of the boldness of the blind beggar that we read about today. If we don't understand, let's make an effort and let's ask God to help us and to use the opportunities presented to us to learn and experience God's presence. Don't be on the peripheral in the church. There are many that are on the peripheral of the church, not really going into its depth, but dive deep into the church. Make it uh, to your benefit. God grant us the zeal when it comes to things pertaining to our eternal salvation and the salvation of those around us. At least the same zeal we use for other aspects of our life. To the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, now and forever and unto the ages of all ages. Amen.